0: Stripes By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. By his nail-pierced hand. Jesus
1: overcame
0: it all. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. He has won our freedom. Jesus has won it all. He reigns on high. He reigns on high. Our God is risen. Our The risen king. You are the risen king. Oh, praise to the risen king. What's made that I know.
1: think with us for just a few minutes from the simple subject, the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. It is entirely appropriate that a heavy emphasis of our faith and our message is fixed on the cross, fixed on the suffering that Jesus endured on Friday. Most of the songs that we sing center around the cross. Most of what we preach centers around the cross. We talk about the nails that pierced his hands and his feet, the thorns that were pressed into his skull. Them puncturing him in the side until blood and water gushed out. Surely we need to know about the cross. We need to remember and cherish the cross of Christ. But we also need to remember. That as provisional, as poignant, as pronounced as the cross is, the cross is not the climax of the story. Today is Resurrection Sunday, and throughout Christendom around the world, a singular cry goes forth. There is an empty tomb. They laid Jesus Battered, bludgeoned, broken body in the grave on Friday, but today there's an empty tomb. Our hope is renewed, our joy is secured because there is an empty tomb. Our battle is fought, our victory is won because there is an empty tomb. Flagging faith has been. Revived. Tears of sorrow have been replaced with tears of delight because there is an empty tomb. I say this all the time at Shiloh. The true symbol of the church is not the cross, but it's an empty tomb. For if he had died on Friday and not been raised on Sunday, we would still be lost in our sins. The empty tomb is our battle cry. We aren't only commanded to tell people that he died, but we're commissioned to declare, like Peter on the day of Pentecost, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The empty tomb is our blessed assurance for Peter has also told us through him we believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so our faith and hope are in God. The empty tomb is our opportunity to start over again. The empty tomb is our chance to enjoy a new and better life than the one we knew when Jesus was not at the center. That's what today is about. The resurrection is the foundation of our faith. For those who embrace the empty tomb, it means that we have died to one life and have obtained new life. For those who embrace the empty tomb, we have an opportunity to rise from the despair of this worldly existence into a new life in Christ that is more fulfilling than anything this world can offer. There is an empty tomb and yet with all that said when when we consider our first text today we are made to see that no one was looking for the resurrection we witness mary magdalene's discovery of the resurrection, but it should be noted that she did not go to the tomb anticipating resurrection. According to the gospel account, she and several women had gone to the tomb to complete the hasty burial of Jesus that was started on Friday. And John records how distraught Mary was when she arrived at the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus' body was not there. Even more distressing for me is the fact that according to John, no one else had bothered to go to the tomb at all. Jesus had 11 living disciples, but none of them were anticipating his resurrection. And it suggests to me that no one took his word Seriously, he had talked about this hour. He said early in his ministry, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. After the transfiguration, he told Peter, James, and John not to speak of what they had seen until after he had been raised from the dead. In Caesarea Philippi, shortly after Peter's confession that Jesus was the Christ, he explained to his disciples that he would go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. If they had really believed what Jesus said, there should have been a crowd at the tomb this morning. My brothers and sisters, it's sad when Christians stop looking for a risen Savior. There are a lot of people who are tuning in to worship experiences around the world today. But I wonder how many are looking for the Savior. Some will pass through this live stream for a minute to make their loved ones happy, but they're really not looking for a risen Savior. And if you aren't here to meet Jesus, you're here for the wrong reason. If you aren't saying from Bedside Baptist this morning, thank you, Lord for being good to me, then you're here for the wrong reason. If you aren't praising God from whom all blessings flow, you're here for the wrong reason. Mary went out there with something natural on her mind, but when she got there, she found that something supernatural had taken place. Matthew says that there was a violent earthquake it wasn't a natural occurrence it was caused by a visitation of the angel of the lord his appearance was like lightning his clothes were as white as snow and at his appearing the gods trembled and became as dead men When the women arrived at the tomb, the stone was rolled away. The sepulchre was empty. At first, they thought the grave had been robbed. But John records that while Mary was weeping at the tomb, she turned and saw someone. She didn't recognize him at first. But when he called her name, she knew that it was Jesus. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus knows my name. I'm glad that he knows my needs. I'm glad he knows my weaknesses. I'm glad he knows my hurts and my distresses. He told me that he knows me when he said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I gave up my life for my sheep. And if Jesus knows me, then I can rely on him to take good care of me. John says that when Mary saw that it was Jesus, she called him Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, she could have called him by many names, but I'm glad she called him teacher. She could have called him provider, for he had fed thousands with two fish and Five barley loaves. She could have called him miracle worker, for he had turned water Into wine. She could have called him Master Physician, for he had cleansed lepers and he had caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. She could have called him Wonderful Counselor, for he had lifted the burden of the downtrodden and brought joy to many sad and lonely hearts. There were many titles that she could have used to address Jesus, but she called him Teacher. And I'm glad. She called him teacher, for his resurrection confirms his role as the master teacher of my life. He taught me to love my enemies and bless those who curse me. And and that teaching is fulfilled. His resurrection he taught me to treat others as I would have them treat me and that teaching is fulfilled in his resurrection he taught me to deny myself and take up my cross and follow him and that teaching is fulfilled in his resurrection he taught me not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of Of itself. He taught me to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things will be added to me. He taught me that if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, I can move mountains. And that teaching is fulfilled in His resurrection. I'm glad. Mary called him teacher, for his resurrection teaches me that if I just wait on God, he will make everything all right. More than that, as as I hurry toward a close today, Jesus' resurrection allows me to know him in a way that I could not know him before. The resurrection allows me to know Jesus in a way that I need to know him. In our second scripture, Paul says that it is his desire to know Jesus. But he reminds us that to truly know him, we must know him in the power of his resurrection. Writing to the church at Philippi. As Paul contemplates the status of his own life, he offers a powerful testimony. He says, I've reached the point in my journey where the only thing that matters is that I know Jesus and that I know him in the power. Of his resurrection. There were times, he says, that I could have boasted in a whole lot of stuff. I I boasted in my Jewish religion and culture because I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. There were times when I boasted in my education because I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. There were times when I boasted in my zeal for persecuting the church, but since I met Jesus for myself, I've learned that my relationship with him is the only thing worth boasting about. I just want to know him better. And part of knowing him is knowing the power that raised him from. The dead. My brothers and sisters, on this Resurrection Sunday, I want the same thing that Paul wanted. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know the power that raised him from the dead because that power does some wonderful things for me. Resurrection power redefines my life. Outside of Jesus, I'm a sinner with no hope of salvation. Outside of Jesus, I'm not fit to live nor worthy to die, but it's the resurrection that redefines me. The resurrection shifts me into a new classification. Oh, I'm still a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was alone, but now I have an advocate before God's throne. Resurrection power redefines me. Then, more than that, resurrection power resets my agenda. Because I've yielded to the power of the resurrection, I don't live for me anymore. But I live for him. His purpose is my purpose. His mind is my mind. His heart is my heart. His concern is my concern. When we experience resurrection power, it lifts us out of the morass of selfishness that causes us to set our affections on ourselves. And we see Christ and we want to be more and more like him. Resurrection power redefines. Resurrection power resets. And finally, resurrection power redirects my future. Without the resurrection, my future is bleak. Without the resurrection, this is all there is. And and when this is over, I have nothing to look forward to. But because he lives, I have a different future. Because he lives, I have a different expectation. When this life is over, I have a place that he has prepared for me where I will be with him forever. In that place, there's no more crying. In that place, there's no more heartache. In that place, there's no more sorrow. There's no more disappointment. There's no more wondering. I shall know him as he knows me. I shall bask in the light of his countenance. Church, the power of the resurrection is that it teaches us that if we can survive Friday, We can look forward to Sunday morning. Somebody's in a Friday today, but hold on a little while longer. After the Friday of defeat, there's the Sunday morning of glorious victory. After the Friday of despair, there's the Sunday morning of hope fulfilled. After the Friday of shedding many tears, there's the Sunday morning when all tears are wiped away. I want to know him in the power of, Of his resurrection. For the declaration today is that he lives. He lives. He lives. He
0: lives. He lives. lives.